0: are here. You're working in every heart and so we throw our hearts wide open to you. And you are out there too working in every heart. That is why we are here this morning to equip ourselves that we would be faithful, that we would be instruments of yours for the sake of others. To the praise of your glorious grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus our King. The other God's people said, Amen. As you're seated, would you please welcome back with me Doug Pollack? Good morning, church. Hey, great to be back with you. And I expected when I got up this morning, someone said, He's finally saved. And you're looking at me like right now, like all of you are looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? Well, if you remember last time when I came, I actually had Ohio State Buckeye gear on and you guys, you guys let me have it. And I didn't learn my lesson because this weekend I was speaking at the crew uh, Purdue fall retreat. And let me encourage you, there were over 200 plus students. Was there anybody, anybody get back in time, any students that are we were at the fall retreat i wasn't sure if they would or not they they were staying up late last night some of them said they might try and get here but uh we had a fantastic time there spoke friday night a couple times yesterday and uh when i came on the stage yesterday with my there was no prompting to this too this was the amazing thing i, I wore some ohio state gear and the moment i walked on stage they just kind of in unison went off in the purdue fight song And I'm sitting here going, these people are serious about the Boilermakers, so this is as close as I could come to Boilermaker (laughs) callers. That's why I said, hey, he got saved. Well, uh, I bring greetings again from uh, Tim Dahmer and uh, Stephen Kirk and Jim Dunn and their wives. Uh, Just last weekend, I actually did a a retreat for uh, the Hope Men. And we had a fantastic time together. And I also bring greetings from the crew staff, who knew they probably wouldn't get back this morning, and um, a lot of them are just uh, so excited to be part of this church. And they wanted me to bring greetings as well. Well, um, this morning we're going to dive back into this topic of how to increase the quantity and the quality of your God conversations in practical, doable, and authentic ways. And I just want to tell you up front: you might hear things, you might hear some things that you heard back in January, and let me tell you, it's only because of the women in this church. They sent me an email and said, Doug, listen, our men need to hear things two times. <laughs> and all the women said, yeah. see, I told you guys, I mean, most men need to hear things two times. So I'm back. I'm going to share some thoughts again uh, along these lines. And ultimately, we want to answer the question of how do I have God conversations without being socially inappropriate? What does that look like in a polarized culture today where where it just seems like people who don't share the same beliefs are kind of lined up and just like shouting at each other, whether it be in Washington, D.C. or whether it be on the on the college campus when we don't have worldviews that that tend to uh, be in harmony with the, the way we see the world. And uh, this morning, your pastor, David, read this passage from Colossians 4-5, which I think is a great place to start our conversation this morning. What would it look like for us to be wise in the way we act towards those who are outside the Christian faith? What would it look like for us to make the most of our opportunities? But how can we do that in a way that's socially appropriate, in a way that actually is winsome, in a way that opens people's hearts instead of causing them to close down and say, hey, listen, listen. no thanks. Uh, talk to the hand because the way you're doing this is speaking too loudly. Last time I was here, I mentioned uh, one of my heroes in this area, Dr. Zach Rice, and we were at a conference speaking together and uh, before I got up, he shared this thought and I thought, wow, I just might as well sit down. This guy, is, this guy has so much wisdom and he's doing it so well out there. And I'm thinking that here in West Lafayette, you probably resonate with this quote, right? We have to find the back door into people's hearts because the front door is heavily guarded. How many of you say that's, that's probably true here in, in, in West Lafayette? Yeah. Um, but what does that really look like? I mean, it's a great quote. You probably sit there and really resonate with it. But um, this next slide might help you get a better handle on that. Um, I think a front door approach, and I was trained in a front door approach, and uh, I grew up in a Christian culture, and so a lot of the stuff on the left represents where I lived for a long, long time. Um, I focused on telling. Um, when I talked with people, um, I was always seeking to be understood, to share my good news, and ultimately I was expecting them to listen to me. Uh, I focused on gospel presentations and answers and A lot of times I use my own language, and more and more as we've drifted towards a post-Christian culture, uh, I've learned that um, it probably might not be wise to lead uh, with uh, this mindset of telling somebody what they need to hear, we think they need to hear, it might be wiser to start by listening and seeking to understand them. Instead of offering rightness, maybe we'd be better off to offer kindness. Kindness. And instead of gospel presentations, maybe we just need to start with a spiritual conversation. Because here's the big deal. Ultimately, if we're going to be wise towards outsiders, we need to start where they are in relationship to God, not where we'd actually like them to be. And so I would often say that today what's happened is people's spiritual address, they're living in a different address than they were Than for a lot of us who grew up in a culture where I mean, I remember as as a young, uh, very young man, the Bible was still in the schools. Prayer was still in the schools as a very young man. Um, And that stuff, of course, has gone by the wayside. Um, Maybe the way I'd explain this front door, back door approach is this way. That most of the tools we've given God's people in the past to share their faith were designed to tell people information. Unfortunately, that many times they're not ready or willing and ready to hear. This front door approach is not working for us like it once did. So I believe maybe it's time to find the back door into people's hearts. What if we started where people are in relationship to God, not where we'd like them to be? What if we listened and raised the kinds of questions which would allow us to join the conversation God has already been having? To our surprise we may just find ourselves standing on sacred ground. When I wrote the the book, God's Space, and please understand, I think you might have heard this the last time I was here, I failed my way into writing that book. I mean, I spent most of my time on the left side in that last slide, and I began to realize that this is just not getting it like it once did, and I need to to start asking God for a, a fresh way to deliver his mail. Because uh, a lot of times the way I'm doing it, the way I was doing it, uh, the mail was being returned to sender. And if you had a chance to read my book, or if you haven't, in chapter two, I actually confessed my sin publicly. There's ten spiritual conversation killers that I frequently practice that uh, often cause people to say no thanks. And I soon learned that they weren't really saying no thanks to Jesus, they were just saying no thanks to some of the unappetizing ways I was presenting him. Now the last time I was here, I used a uh, football metaphor to kind of unpack this idea of what it would look like to be wise out to outsiders. So this morning, uh, I'm going to switch as an athlete in action, I'm going to switch to the sport of golf, because I think it, uh, it will give us some great um, places to hang our hats as we think about how to engage the people in our lives with the good news that we have in Jesus. And in the spirit of golf this morning, I just want to give you a little tip-off. There are going to be different times through the morning when I'm going to ask you to huddle up in foursomes. That would be you and three other people. And we're going to have some questions for you to actually dialogue and spend some time talking about. Now, in your foursome, you also need a twosome, because there are times when I might just have you turn to the person sitting next to you and have those questions. So Think about that as you're, you know, if you're just sitting by yourself, you might want to find some other people, so when it comes time for us to engage in questions, you'd have some people to actually talk about. The big idea this morning is, you know, in the sport of golf, you have to start with the ball uh, on the tee box, and you know, everybody is somewhere in relationship to God, and much like the sport of golf, we have to start where people are, not where we'd like them to be. Different folks Need different strokes. And so, you know, if you've ever played the game, um, uh, you have to start back on the tee box. And how many of you right now have somebody in your life who's a long way away from God? They are very resistant and opposed to the good news of the gospel. You got somebody like that in your life? How do you kind of, if you would, move or nudge the ball down the golf course? Because ultimately, you know, you got to get on the green to pull the putter out. And uh, in my life, I was trained with the four spiritual laws. That was the putter, and so uh, it's great when people are on the green to have a tool like that. The problem is, what happens if they're not on the green? You need a driver. You need a different club. There are also some people who are apathetic and irrelevant, or maybe they're a little closer to the green. They're wondering and curious. Maybe some people in your life are asking and seeking The whole idea of the game of golf is to move it down the course and ultimately get yourself on the green where you put it and put it in the hole. And um, that's how you score in the game of golf. And and, uh, I would say in the same way, I'm not trying to stretch it, but I think um, the kingdom of God advances just one conversation at a time, one touch at a time, one aha at a time. And so if you can kind of get your head around that and relax and, you know, realize that there are very few hole-in-ones in in the sport of golf. Tiger Woods has been playing since he was three years old, and the last time I checked, he had 21 hole-in-ones in uh, in all the courses he's played, all the years he's played, 21 hole-in-ones. Now, as you look at this illustration of a golf course, um... What percentage of the people on your day-to-day route, the people who are like, you know, uh, outside the faith, but they're inside your reach, would you say represent the top two categories? Resistant and opposed, or apathetic and irrelevant? What percentage would you say uh, are living there? And then what percentage of the people in your life are either wondering or curious, or asking and seeking? Now, often when I ask audiences like this, I've done these polls all over the country. Typically, what people would say is, and and I would say this, back in the day when I've grown up, um, a lot of people would put uh, the culture at like 80% down here, 20% up there. And I say, well, what what is it today? And they completely flip flop it. They would say that 80% of the people are back towards the tea box. And that uh, 20% of the people are down here a little closer to the green. Now, I was trained to use the four spiritual laws. And so what I ran into was this idea that sooner or later I woke up to the reality that life is not a putt-putt course. In other words, I had a putter, but the reality was that I wasn't getting to use it a whole lot because I wasn't encountering that many people who were on the green who were ready, if you would, for a gospel presentation. So one of the things that I had to learn is I had to back up and start where they were. And this morning I'll share a story a little bit later on of what that actually looked like. Now, everybody has a golf course. I mean, yours is where the rhythm of your day-to-day life naturally causes you to cross the path of those who are outside the faith, but inside your reach. What I'd like you to do right now is... um, Partner up with somebody. You need to form a twosome. As here are some questions I'd like you to answer. As you think about your golf course, what does it look like? What challenges do you face on your golf course? Who on your golf course would you like to see come to faith? Because this morning I would like you this to get intensely personal. I'd like you to think about the person that you would love to see, who's presently not here, but you'd love to see him here. And then as we talk about some of these practical, doable, authentic ideas, I'd like you to start thinking about, hey, how could I put that to play on my golf course? How might that work out in this relationship with this person that God has put on my heart? And then I'd like you just to maybe take a moment, pray for that person, and pray for your own heart this morning as we um, get out there on the golf course and get out a few clubs and talk about what it would look like for us to play the whole course with a whole bag of clubs, not just a putter. So partner up with somebody right now, get a twosome, and here are the questions for you to interact with each other and just uh, spend some time talking about it. Go for it. Four. If you've ever been on the golf course, you know that when somebody yells four, it's time to duck. Uh, today, when I yell four, it means hey, let's get let's come back together again. We're gonna get back out on the golf course and move in a different direction. But let me just say this. So excited to see a church talking amongst each other and and, and grappling with ideas. I, I think uh, you know. Sometimes we get trapped in our ideas of what worship looks like. but I think God is honored when we talk about things that are on His heart. And I know the heart of Jesus well enough to know that His heart is broken for West Lafayette. That when His eyes search throughout the earth and and, and they range throughout the earth and He sees people out there who are missing from this fellowship this morning. And He's longing for His church to leave this building and go out and engage those people that he's longing to, to bring in. And so I think it's exciting that we're sitting here talking about this morning. Now, I have to be honest with you, as I travel all over the world and try to help God's people increase the quantity and quality of their spiritual conversations, too many of God's people feel like failures in this sacred work. And I think they feel like failures because of they just don't have enough stories that kind of resemble what we're about to watch. Check it out, and then I'll explain it. <laughs> you know often speakers like myself will share their greatest hole in one story the story you know where they meet somebody and uh, they have one conversation and they become a Christian while those do think those those things actually do happen I've got some stories like that the reality is those are the exceptions not the norm the reality is if you're out in the golf course sometimes you're hitting the ball and it's going sideways Sometimes it's going backwards. Sometimes you shank one in the woods. Sometimes you shank one in the water. But you know what? If you're a good golfer, you just got to get back out and keep playing the course. And uh, ultimately, I stand here today and I wrote the book. Uh, I shanked a lot of balls. And uh, I did a lot of things that uh, I'm not excited about. But um, God continues in his mercy to give us opportunities. And so what I want want you to hear this morning is, While, you know, this is great stuff and we should maybe pray to this end and be open to the fact that we might get a chance to harvest, most of us just need to realize it's all about moving the ball. How do we move the ball and keep the ball moving forward? Uh, And so I want to share a story this morning that uh, comes from, I think, the toughest golf course in Ohio. When I think of the toughest place in Ohio to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It has to be this place. Uh, Anybody know anything about Yellow Springs, Antioch College? Anybody have any background with... For those of you who don't, let me just put it this way. We are talking about Berkeley. We're talking about Boulder on steroids. I mean, this little place is like as far out there as you possibly can imagine. We're talking about any kind of lifestyle, any kind of sexual preference, Uh, worldview, just all over the map, exploring all kinds of things. Open-mindedness is the great value at Antioch College. And so I was training some of our staff from Athletes in Action, and I said, hey, where's the toughest golf course you can think about? Let's go play the course there. And everybody said, oh, that's got to be Antioch College. I said, okay, let's talk about it together. Where do you think people are in relationship to God? And they said, I'm not even sure if people there are on the golf course. They they might be back in the clubhouse. I don't even think they're on the tee box. And uh, they, they had a right to say that because ultimately, Crew had tried to start a ministry there. They kicked them off campus right away. Cedarville would send students down to campus. And as soon as the students would get there, they'd have them kicked off campus Uh, Let's just say this. They really, really, really do not like people like ourselves, Christians, and um, are just not excited about really who we are. And so it's a really, really tough place to go. So um, as we talked about what would it look like to be wise towards these outsiders, we were pretty convinced that it wouldn't be wise for us to show up in a telling mode. Because everybody else who had gone there to try and tell them got kicked off campus. And so, as we started to talk and pray about it, it seemed really wise to lead with a driver or to lead with something that would um, uh, be good news to these people. And so we decided to lead with God's kindness. I think it's Romans 2.4, maybe Romans 4.2, one or the other. It says it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And so we decided to show up, and it was a very hot day. It was 97 degrees, and the humidity was off the charts. It was just one of those days that was just very tol- intolerable. I mean, you just, you just hated to be out. You just felt like a blanket was on you. So what we did is we, uh, we got some drink coolers together. those kind you can kind of pull along, and we loaded them with ice and lots of different drinks. And I rolled up to seven people who were outside the cafeteria, and I said, hey, um, I'm taking orders. Anybody want a cold one? This guy looks at me and says, what you got in there, man? I said, well, probably not what you really want. I said, but I do have this, this, and this. And so these people started to order up. Well, (laughs) one girl, when she heard me, uh, uh, you know, give her this opportunity, she just went right for the jugular. She said, why are you doing this? Just total cynicism, jaded, just like ready to pounce on me. And I just stopped and I said, well, you know, when I was your age, a long time ago, I said, um, somebody on campus met me and um, just demonstrated God's love to me in a way that rocked my world. She said, who's God? I said, the God had changed my life. She goes, what religion are you? I said, I really don't care for religion. Religion seeks to change people from the outside. It's just a bunch of rituals and traditions. In fact, if I could be really honest, I hate religion. I said, I'm talking about a a, a personal relationship with the living God of the universe. He puts a Spirit in you, and His Spirit starts on the inside of you and changes you from the inside out. She looked at me and she goes, that's cool. So I realized I'd passed the first test. uh, Because she was already ready to get me kicked off campus. Um, So... uh, I asked a question. I said, you know, how did you guys end up here? Why Yellow Springs? Why Antioch College? And they each start sharing their story. One was from Maine, one was from Canada, one was from Oregon, and I'm like, how in the world did you guys find this place? Like out in the middle of nowhere in Ohio, in the middle of Ohio in a cornfield, like how did you end up in this school? I mean, Boulder or Berkeley, I mean, that's, that's a different story, but Antioch College? And every one of their stories had a, similar, uh, had a similar theme. We came here because we value open-mindedness, and this school is supposed to be the most open-minded school in America, and we wanted our minds open. And I said, well, now that you've been here for a while, do you feel like the school has lived up to its height? And they just started laughing, and I said, no. This school values open-mindedness, but they hate white middle-class people who live in the suburbs. (laughs) A lot of you know where you stand today, don't you? (laughs) And so I probed. I said, you know, you ever think it's just okay to close your mind to something? Do you have to to keep your mind open to everything? And at this point in time, let me tell you, there was no... I didn't go on campus with some scripted like line or something I was going to say. In the moment, I was just like saying, God, do what you tell me you're going to do in a word. Give me the words that I need to connect with these outsiders. Give me the wisdom I lack. Because I don't know what it's like to be them. I haven't grown up like them. I've, I've never been on a campus like this before. And for those of you who sit here today and you say, man, I lack confidence. I lack confidence. I don't know what to say. Hey, join the club. The reality is every human being that you meet is a mystery. Every human being that you meet is is at a different place on the golf course. So you need the wisdom of God to show up and give you that which you lack. So here's a big thought for you this morning. If you want to increase the quantity and the quality of your spiritual conversations, talk to God about men before he talked to men about God. And we did that that day. We said, God, show up. And here's what happened. God showed up. Because the next question I asked him, it just kind of rolled off my head and I'm like, where did that come from? And I thought, man, the Holy Spirit just opened up the door and created some God space. Here's what I asked him. I said, you know, you always need to keep your open to everything i mean like for instance let's say you were in a very destructive relationship and there was some physical abuse or emotional abuse you kind of like feel like you have to stay in that relationship just to stay open if you would because you want to be open-minded is it okay just to say you know what this is not in my best interest to stay in this relationship and it was like this giant tsunami wave just like washed over this group of seven people. Let me, keep, let me give you some perspective. We had a transvestite in the group, two lesbians. People were all over the map in terms of their sexual preference. And one by one, they began to share their horror stories of how they had been in relationships that went south and were, were just brutal and left them very bruised and battered. And I did some listening. I said, you know... My heart breaks as I listen to your stories. Because it sounds like you've taken a stab at love and you've found out that it didn't go all that well. Are you still hopeful that you'll find true love? And every one of them said, yeah, we are. I said, well, my belief is if you're going to find something, you've got to know what it is you're looking for. And so I'm just curious, when you guys think about finding true love, what is love? How would you define it? How would you know what it is you're looking for? How would you define it? And the amazing thing is, I'm on a college campus talking to mostly juniors and seniors, and you think I ask them the hardest question in the world because they looked at me like deer in the headlights. They just froze for a moment. Love. What is love? And finally, this one man, young man, it was so funny, he looks at me and he says... After a lot of them, were sitting there, ba-dee ba-dee, 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 He looks at me and he says, well, I think love is a feeling you're going to feel when you have a feeling you've never felt before. <laughs> I said, dude, that is deep. <laughs> I said, could I try a little simpler definition with you? And he said, sure. I said, love is a commitment to act in someone else's best interest. A short and sweet, They looked at me and said, dude, that's really good. And so now I had earned some street cred. (laughs) And so now, instead of being this older guy who was coming on campus, doing something weird, some Christian weirdo wacko, now I was actually having a conversation with something about that which they cared about. I was starting where they were. And ultimately that day, I was identifying some thirst and some hunger in their soul for something they long for. And I said, if you guys like that definition, I've got one that's better. I mean, now I'm fishing. Because I can tell that they're open. And I pull out my iPhone. Remember we said let's be wise towards outsiders? I'm telling you, if I would have taken the big King Jimmy with me that day <laughs> and pulled out the big King James family Bible and plopped it down out there, these students would have ran. I was like, ah, one of those kind of guys. Get him off campus. But instead, I pulled out my iPhone. I pulled out my Bible app, dialed up 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. does not have me. He does not boast. I hand it to the first guy and said, here, check this out. They start reading it and, and get this one guy and he goes, dude, where did you get this? This stuff rocks. <laughs> and I said, it's gonna blow your mind. He said, no, man, no, this is the best definition for love I've ever seen. I said, just remember, you asked me, where did I get this from? I said, it's gonna blow your categories. He said, okay, tell me. I said, the Bible. And all at once, all seven of them just fell out. Like, the Bible? The Bible? Like, you know, because they were convinced this book was this ancient book that was written thousands of years ago that had nothing to say about their lives today, especially their dating life. And all of a sudden, what I did is I had identified a spiritual address and began to deliver God's mail to that address and began to to show them how God's story intersected their story And now some God space had actually been created. What's God space? Well, here's a quick definition from the book. Let me tell you what happened. For the next two hours, I engaged these students. And I mean, they shared their stories of why they hated Christians so much. I shared my God story with them. I shared God's story with them. Nobody that day was ready to become a Christian. But the ball got moved. How do I know that? Well, the girl that had fangs, about two hours into our conversation, he looks at me and she says, I want to tell you something, man. We got students from Cedarville coming down here all the time, tell us we're going to hell, we don't change our ways. We get them thrown off campus. I want to tell you, this is the best conversation I've ever had on this campus. I like you and I like what you're doing. And you know what happened next? They invited my friends and I from Athletes in Action to come back and be part of their poetry night, which was happening a week from then. So we came back. One of the ways you find out whether or not you pass the Jesus test, being a friend of sinners, is whether you get invited into their world. And when we bring value to other people's lives, even if we don't share their beliefs and share their lifestyles, there's there's still something that we share that causes them to say, I like having you around. I like what you had to say. This was good. I want to hear more on this matter. Well, I want to do a quick rewind here before we take a break. I mentioned earlier that uh, ultimately we need to talk to God about men before we talk to men about God. Big idea here this morning. And We're actually in the earlier part of Colossians. The Apostle Paul says, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open. Don't forget to pray for us that God will open doors. That's what happened that day. There was a door open for telling the mystery of Christ. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. The second thing that happened that day is we led with good deeds. We showed up with God's kindness. A friend of mine, Eric Swanson, has put it this way, good deeds create goodwill, which helps to open the heart to the good news. When you think about people on the golf course who are resistant and opposed, I'm pretty sure they're not ready for your sermon. They're for sure not ready to show up here at church. They're not ready for you to get your Bible out and tell them why they're wrong and you're right that's just not going to go anywhere. You're not going to argue them into a new way of thinking, but you know what they are ready for? They're ready for acts of kindness. They're, they're ready for people to demonstrate God's love to them in practical ways. A friend of mine uh, who wrote a book, he's from Cincinnati, his name's Steve Shogren, we wrote a book together, and he said this, good deeds are not enough on their own to bring someone to Christ, but they do create a wireless network for transmitting the spoken word. That's some good stuff there. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about offering our hands to God by taking the initiative, Jesus told us to go, but how we take the initiative today in a post-Christian culture has to look differently. People are not ready for a front door approach, but they are ready for a back door approach where we demonstrate God's love in them in practical ways through humble acts of service in Christ's name. But here's the kicker, with no strings attached. If they smell or sniff out an agenda, it's over. And that's what they're looking for. But we confound people when we just demonstrate God's love just because. Just because God demonstrated his love towards us. Uh, Romans 5.8 says. Um, here are some resources for you, some websites, some people I know who are living this out real well. KindnessThego.com and KindnessOutreach.com. Some of the folks there at those websites I work with, and uh, they're doing some great things out there in the community to demonstrate God's love in practical ways. The next thing I did, not only did I pray, not only did I go and and offer uh, drinks in Jesus' name, um, but I also got on God's teeter-totter. What the heck am I talking about? Well, in Luke chapter 2, verse 46... It says, three days later, they found him, Jesus, in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and posing questions to them. A good spiritual conversation has a balance. And I led with a question, but then I spent some time listening. The next question I asked had everything to do with what I had listened to. And so, part of what we need to do is we need to listen more to people And then we need to pose questions based on what we actually heard. And that's what I did that day. Listen to Elisa Morgan from the Mops Ministry. She helped start that. Talk about this. (laughs) is <laughs> radically I know that a lot of my uh, comrades and peers that day when we went to Announcet A&H College were scared spitless because they're feeling like, you know what, I, I don't, I, I'm not really sure what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not sure I want to get into uh, a big theological debate. I'm just afraid they might ask questions that I can't answer. And I'd rather stay in the safety of my office here at Athletes in Action rather than get out there. But, you know, The whole deal about the sport of golf is you will never become a great golfer unless you just keep swinging the club. You got to get out there and swing the clubs. And so I think what we need today uh, are more reflective practitioners. People who actually are willing to get out on the golf course and act on what they know. They're not afraid to explore and test their assumptions. They take time to reflect and evaluate their experiences. They're willing to trust the Holy Spirit to reveal that which is hidden, to give them wisdom. And they understand success is often a byproduct of repeated failures. Church, hear me this morning. Failure is very rarely fatal, and it's very rarely final. It actually is just an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Doesn't the Bible say the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up? Because he's empowered by the Spirit of God, and he gets back up maybe with some new wisdom, and some new perspective that allows him to move on. Before we move to our break here this morning, um, I'd like you to to get together and in twosomes or foursomes and share your biggest aha this morning thus far. And uh, when you finish, uh, it's break time, and I think they've got some goodies back there for you. And, and then we'll get her back together. And I I uh, I think you're really going to be excited when we come back because. We're going to quit talking about theory in one sense, and you're not going to hear so much a story. Because what's going to happen when we come back is um, you're going to get a chance to see me dialogue with two very militant atheists. And we're going to watch what happens. Um, I was invited to uh, New England to speak to all the brainiacs. We're talking about the people going to Harvard, Yale, and MIT. And I said, you know what, if you're going to bring me up there, let's do something that kind of mimics the reality of what these students face on these campuses. So they went out and found the two of the, the most militant atheists possible and brought them on stage, and, and we had a dialogue in front of the whole audience, and you're going to have a chance to see what happens that, that day and, and how God's space might be created in a situation like that. Right now, just take a moment, sure, uh, maybe at one aha you've had so far, and then it's break time, all right? Go for it.